1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. Hey, everybody, just want to say thanks for taking the time to listen to our Legitimus podcast today. Uh, we have a special guest with us. We have a Mr. Leif Bacchus. And anytime that I either see or say Bacchus, <clears throat> I always think B.A. Baracus. And if you haven't figured it out yet, B.A. Baracus was the character that Mr. T played on the A-Team. So we're going to have a couple of references with that and have a little bit of fun. On the podcast, we talk about, obviously, axes, a little bit of history, uh, that whole grading scale that we sort of talked about before, new old stock, mint, things like that. Restorations, what does that look like? And then also, possibly, the formation of the NAACA. So stay tuned for that. Give it a listen. Leave some comments. Tell your friends. We appreciate you. Thank you. destroy any man who tries to take what I got. What's your prediction for the fight then? Prediction? Yes, prediction. Pain. All right, everybody, welcome to the Legitimus Podcast here on May 17th, 2020. We are happy to have you along here on this date and to be able to talk about a little bit of what we were talking about last week whenever we're talking about axes uh, what do those look like as far as from a price standpoint, a history standpoint, and who makes that up? So we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. As you already know, we have myself, Mike Miller. We have Mr. Chris Kellinger. And then we have a special guest today. We have Mr. Leif Bacchus uh, that you guys will already be familiar with, uh, Adirondack Wilderness Company. So... Let's get right into this. Leaf, go ahead. Take us off, man. Well, I've been in the uh, axe collecting game now, what, pushing 12 or 13 years as fully involved. I have a little part-time company called Adirondack Wilderness Co. You can find me on uh, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. And some of the other smaller platforms, I don't post as much, but I can be found under that name on Google just about TikTok. anywhere. What's that? TikTok? Yeah, TikTok. I'm on TikTok, too. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and I make some leather goods. Uh, I do make some axe-related things, too, although I try to keep my my axe wares limited so as to not turn my favorite hobby into something I'm making money off and not enjoy it as much. So, yep. Tell me about TikTok. So that's like this, just this like thing. It's that's just, out it's there. just for laughs. It's just for laughs. Don't Dude, take it seriously. <laughs> it is a rabbit hole that if yeah. you get involved to, it will suck you in and take the soul right out of your heart. Yeah. So like, how does that work? Like, do you only get like a certain amount of time? Like, I don't know anything about it. You I get just know one minute. Up. You get one minute to make a 
a music video, basically, or get your message across. Yeah. But that's all you get. You get one minute to do it. One minute clips, and it, it just absolutely sucks you in. So does it have to be a video, or can you put a picture out there? You can do a picture, but nobody's watching that. Yeah. yeah. You got you got to do the video to draw them yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. And if you – like you'll – like I noticed, I'm not in there to really post any real content, but it's funny to watch. But if you don't follow the trends, right, Chris? Like if yeah. you don't use the same, like that all flows in trends, you'll never get noticed on there. Yeah, I notice. Yeah, I I use TikTok for entertainment. I don't post anything there. Yeah, same. I posted a few things, but it's just more for laughs. And yeah. it, the algorithm on TikTok's really good. So if if you hit the like button on content you like, it will show you a lot of that content. So you don't have to, I don't really follow anyone. I'll just, it's like a Russian roulette. I'll click on TikTok, whatever's in there for on my for you page. That's what I'm watching. If it's not something I like, I scroll up. If it's something I want to see, I'll hit the, uh, the heart button. Like I like watching a lot of the, a lot of soldiers post videos on there. Um, comedy there's so many funny things i mean just endless funny things people do some of the funniest crap people it, dubbing dubbing their pets oh it's yeah probably, it's probably some of the makes me laugh the most I, like the cat <laughs> videos are the funniest i think the cat cats and then dogs probably second it's just hilarious what they do it's, so there's uh again obviously i have not been out there i don't know anything about it uh, so then like, can you follow like certain leads, hashtags? Like, what does that oh, look yeah. like? Yeah. 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 Once you, like Chris said, once you start liking certain things, the algorithm responds instantly. Yeah. And you can, and then, follow yeah. People. yeah. Like, if you, you can like, follow people. If you see somebody that puts up a lot of content you like, you can follow that person, just like Instagram. All right. It's between, yeah. this is how I take TikTok versus Instagram. Instagram, when you go on Instagram, it's all the people you follow. Right. And you're not seeing any fresh content unless you go to the search function on TikTok. It's all fresh content. And if you want to see the people you follow, you have to ha- actually click on a separate page to see the people you follow. So. Oh, OK. All right. It's just a little bit different in that aspect. But like I said, the algorithms on TikTok are really good. So they tune in. Even if you don't hit the heart, don't they? I think it pays attention to what you what you watch. If you watch yeah, I'm pretty sure it does too. Because yeah. there's a, there's this I don't know this one song that keeps playing and there's people dancing to it and I, I for some reason it captivates me and so TikTok shows it to me constantly. But I've never liked any of them. <laughs> Is there a video of you out there dancing, Pen, like not, with an axe or a hatchet or anything? No, not yet. Not yet. There will be, I'm sure. Okay, good. All right. There's a few uh, power saw guys on there that do some interesting stuff that I've yeah. followed. Yeah. Um, running, running saws, but. Yeah. But it, it it it's a one minute limit though. That's what you can do, and then yep. you just you can do however many of those that you want. Yeah, you can. Yeah. It's That's just interesting. It's just funny that we're grown up men on TikTok. <laughs> so it, I, it's really, I only got on because Chris sent me all the funnies. So yeah. I had to, I'm like, oh, let me let me get an account so I can see all the funnies faster. And I resisted. You know, I resisted it for so long. I'm like, I'm not getting on another platform. I'm not getting on. A, and then I don't know why I went to TikTok for something to see something. And then 
I start watching all these funny videos and I'm like, oh, Leaf will like this. <laughs> and <then> Leaf links. <laughs> and then it was the rabbit hole. Yep. Now, oh. can you link that to all your other platforms or is that separate? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if you can. I, there's no TikTok on like my YouTube, at least not yet anyway. I can't put it through to my profile. Maybe there is now, but I probably wouldn't anyway. I don't, I, I don't see any value as a maker or something for TikTok unless you really get into, I don't know, if you really want to get into editing those videos. Some people put a lot of work into that. Yeah. I haven't seen too many, like, maker videos, you know. There's just very few, yeah, not enough to keep me over there. To It's mostly just quick jokes and entertainment, you know. Yeah. Yep. OSHA violations. And... Oh, yeah, lots of OSHA violations. Those are the, <laughs> those, some of those are the hilarious ones. Yeah. Just people doing crazy stuff. Well, now, now we know that somehow we're gonna have to get the uh, legitimate podcast, I guess, over to TikTok. Whatever, I'm gonna put you in charge of that, Keller. Right. Can you do that? <laughs> I'll just do crazy legitimate podcast things. There you go. <coughs> so we'll have to figure that out. But, anyways, for everybody with us, obviously this is uh, the middle of May already. We're in the uh, hopefully the end of uh, quarantine and Corona. We're not gonna talk about that. That's it, Good. and uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about some axes and a little bit of the lore that goes with that. So we'll go ahead, we'll do our quick update with everybody, and then what we're going to talk about is a little bit of the backlash, which is probably a bad word, a little bit of follow-up with what we talked about last week. And new old stock, mint, the different categories that you can talk about axes with, which is never going to be, uh, I don't know what the word is. Never, it's never going to be settled. Um, there's going to be some different opinions subjective with that, but what we want to get is that we want to get some different opinions in with that. What's going on? What are people doing and stuff like that? So, uh, killer, what do we have going on in the last week? What's been the update? Uh, what's been happening? Uh, the big news is I got a huge shipment of uh, axe handles in. And by shipment, I mean I drove down to Amish country and grabbed them out of the back of an Amish buggy and put them in the back of my car and brought them home. That's uh, a hand-selected upcharge right there, bud. <laughs> yeah. So when when I say hand-selected premium axe handles, I'm not kidding. You mean it. Yeah, you mean it. Um I did not sell out of them yet. There's still quite a few on my Etsy shop. So if, if you're in need of premium axe handles, that's on my Etsy. It's, uh, what is it? Killinger gear. I think it's Killinger. If you just put Killinger in Etsy, it's going to pop up. Um, and I have a couple new models that I'll be introducing. I haven't listed them yet. Oh, pretty excited about them. So no, no preview, no hint. Well, one, one I have had before, but I had a very limited quantity. It was a test run. Um, did something they did on their own, uh, based off of what I've taught them over the last couple years. He, he had an axe come in and it had this handle on it and he thought that it would be something I'd be interested in. So he made, I think he made six of them. And, um, but they're, I hung one of them on my BBB. It's a 28 inch full size eye double bit handle that is super thin like beautiful gorgeous like a pencil maybe a little thicker than a pencil 
but uh so but it's a 28 inch full size it's not quite it won't fit all full size double bits little disclaimer the eyes a, a touch small for all full size but it's bigger than a cruiser it's like the in between so it'll fit the three and a half pounders yeah yeah and and what it would be really good on is those those worn down plums you see everywhere that are 3.2 or whatever yep that everybody calls a cruiser it's not really a cruiser it's a it's a full size eye um these handles will fit those perfectly and then you will have a nice 28 inch long double bit i got two i got two warrens that are that are that size that um let me know i'll hook you up the other (laughs) one i got is a 19 inch boys axe handle um Again, the eyes are a touch small for a lot of boys' axes, but for the most part, it fits, um, <laughs> it fits most of the boys' axes. Uh, I usually put the measurements on my, <coughs> excuse me, on my Etsy, but it's the same as my 22 inch. Same eye as my 22 inch, but it's a 19 inch, and it is super nice. They did a really good job. It's got a nice Fawn's foot, sexy curves. It's a good looking handle. So. Nice. Yeah. So Sorry. does that mean that um, whenever you put that in, then obviously with the correct size wedge, then obviously you can make that fit, no issues or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, they fit fine. Um, what I've noticed is there's those there's those heads that are between a boy's axe and a hatchet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what you would call them, but they're bigger than what a hatchet should be, but they're a little too small. They're like the two-pound range. House? Yeah, maybe house. I think um, the bush, uh, the in the modern term, the small forest axe now Yeah, right, is what a lot of people gener- generate to. Yeah. That, there you go. That's, yep. that's where those handles really shine. They, they, they fit well in those size eyes. Um, you know, a hatchet, an actual hatchet has a pretty small eye. Um, and a boy's axe is, you know, not real big, but it's, it's like an in-between. But there's, there's always been that in-between, that one and three-quarter to two-pound head. I've got one. I've got several of them here. Should just hang all the ones I have. My local, uh, tool guy, antique guy, he's got one, but it's been the same price for three years. Yeah. But I don't want to, don't want to pay, but it's a 19-inch handle with that head in-between. It's not a two and a half. It's not a hatchet. It's uh, like you said. It's right in, in the right in the middle. And then this batch of handles had quite a few handles that were mixed wood, so hardwood, softwood. And in, I can't sell them as a premium because um, you know that's not what I consider premium. It, although they're still fine, they're just not. You know, when I'm advertising premium, I'm saying clear grain, blah blah blah. Now. Little disclaimer on premium, I will let a slight amount of mixed woods go by, still be premium. You know, if it's got 5% heartwood in it, I'm not going to discount it. You know, it'll be premium, but these are pretty well mixed. So instead of returning them to them, I'm going to sell those as like an A minus grade, um, cause they're still like a good, quality grain orientation all that's there no knots all that's clear it's just mixed hardwood softwood so i'm going to sell those at a little bit of a discount at an a minus grade 
So look forward to that coming up. I feel like I'm, I don't want to advertise. I'm not really, I'm just letting you guys know what's up. <laughs> Might as well. There's no, there's a, there's a shortage of quality handle, quality handles out there. Yeah, no doubt. But Mark, it's better than it used to be, but for sure. We have way more options than we ever did. Yeah, we did when we, you and I first got in, we had, <laughs> we had nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had the hardware store runs and whatever mixed bag we got from house handle. Yeah. And now we can pretty much get whatever you want. And I tell you what, I, I like that, that there's all these options, you know, is I don't, I, I'm not in the handle business and I say that and I'm, I am, but I'm not. I, I did what I did because I wanted premium handles. For myself, but I can't buy them all, so I have to sell in order to get what I want. But well, there's there's definitely more options out there now than what there was with Do It Best and yeah. your other hardware lines that were like trying to put a brick into an eye and everything that went along with that. So Leaf is definitely correct with that. Um, so we talked a little bit about. Um, the axes and the grades and what those look like, new old stock, mint, and everything that went along with that last week, which obviously has generated some conversation, which is a good thing. And that's what we were looking for. Again, we're not grading experts. We weren't trying to go out there and be like, listen, this is Miller Mint or anything like that. That wasn't the process with that, but... Uh, a lot of the conversation, a lot of the topics, and a lot of the feedback is that they want to have that conversation a little bit extended, you know, what that looks like. And first and foremost, just like what we did last week, disclaimer, listen, we're not grading experts. We're not here to set a, you know, a specific line or anything like that. We're here to talk about stuff and what we think and what we sort of know and what we've seen, what that means to you is ultimately up to you. And really this whole thing is subjective. Um, but uh, to bring uh, Leaf into this, um, Leaf, what do you think about the whole thing with uh, grading, uh, lines, uh, age? Like wh- what's your whole take on that? Uh, it seems like, some of the other tool collectors have a better handle and a better uh, dictionary, I think, when it comes to comes to that stuff. I think a hand plane guys or of the other specific tool makers, and when they when they use their certain terms for a type of plane or condition, um, it seems pretty pretty well understood and universal. And I think it prompted your probably your conversation and the feedback is, is that we don't exactly have that in the axe, in the axe world. So I guess I'm just making a comparison because it's something to compare. But if you restore a plane, I mean, I guess it just looks like it does. I mean, there are very limited modifications you can make on that. There's only so many finishes you can do with an axe. I mean, you can go all the way from a polish. You can, you can fix some of the embossments. You can, you can change their shapes. You could put new handles in it that didn't belong to it in the first place. Um, and we, I think when you guys are talking about the, the grading quality, um, not everybody's on the same page all the time. 
when it comes to when it comes to restoration work or what they find really right so you know in whatever condition the axe comes at and i don't know my my personal opinion if i throw it in the hat i think it would be a very tough thing to nail down and for everybody to just get on board with so i don't matter what grading system you come up with i think it would be somewhere somebody with 10 people listening would have an issue with it and it just would fall apart so but, i think that you bring up a really good uh point with you know the the comparison with some of the other tools and things like that so the big question that i got is so who's going to make up the ruling body of the axe grading system and so i joked around and i said we're going to make up the mrs system which is the miller rating system which stands for misses because obviously the misses is never wrong right no right <laughs> total joke just throw it out there just someone just <laughs> Somebody yeah. went off the rails on it, didn't they? Right, right. So obviously I'm not the guy to say, hey, listen, this is the end all, and this is the rating system, stuff like that. But I think, though, that you bring up a good topic is that, so where does it sort of, I don't know if end is the right term, but, like, where does it at least get some traction in saying, hey, listen, so you have this axe, and it's going to rate out at this, and then you have axe B, and it's going to rate out at this. I don't know if we'll ever really get to that. I don't, I really have a tough time seeing that. So like, Leaf, like what, what's your take on that? Uh, I would agree. I don't think other than very generally NOS, new old stock, if you guys don't know, or what we say is restored or, or I like, I see other terms. What's fully restored. Well, what does that mean to somebody? Well, did I put the, the original shape handle into it. Did I put the head back to the way it was in the new OS? I just don't think, I don't think there could be a, there's no officiation going to happen. I just don't foresee it. And I don't, there's just too much, um, it's too much drama for, uh, for it to stick, I think. Cause there's someone, obviously you just found out just, just dancing around the subject caused a little bit of, a little bit of controversy already. So do you think that the main issue with that is actually being able to put an axe into a category or what that individual actually thinks that their quote-unquote axe, new, found, restored, whatever the category is, what they think that it's worth? I think it's the latter part. Yeah, I think that's what it's always going to be. Um, I don't know. I guess uh, – not to sound too not controversial, but I mean, it's a person. What are they doing first? Are they putting a price on the head itself or the work they put into it? So with me, it's um, it's like you know, if I restore an axe to sell, well, first I got to see how much I paid for it, and then what's the market paying for it, and then how much is my time worth to make the handle, you know, and to sell it. So I think it's always going to come down to an individual. It's not, there's no, there's no list that we're going to jump on. So I have, I have sort of an opinion on this. I feel axes really fall into two categories. Um, so it's going to be original and it's going to be restored. Those are the two categories. 
under your original is where the grading system would take place. You know, your mint, new old stock, use whatever. Under restored, well, you can no longer grade that because it is no longer in its original condition. And at that point, you're grading an artist, so to say. So nobody has any business grading what an artist's work is worth. His work is worth whatever he asked for and people are willing to pay. And that's the reality. That's across the board on anything somebody makes. Um, so you're saying if, if, a, uh, if a person now has the axe head or the, the old NOS or whatever, as is, no work done to it, it could be in a grading system. But the moment we start doing work on it, out. That's out. Out yeah, what are you going to call what are you going to call a restored axe? You can't call it noodles, new old stock because it's not. It's not, it's not. in original yeah. condition anymore. Right. And if you grade it in any other way, well, now you're you're kind of um, bashing, for lack of better terms, that person's work. And it's no, it's really nobody's place to say what so and so's work is worth. You know, it's it's worth whatever it's worth. But they will say it. Well, and that's, that's fine, but. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding with you, but yeah, you know how people are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's always going to be people that say, well, why does he think his work is worth this much? Blah, blah, blah. Well, it's worth that much because that's what people are paying for. Mm-hmm. You know, and if it's just a new guy off the block and he's obviously got no clue what he's doing and his, his work looks like crap, well, he's going to learn pretty quick. He either better step up his game or drop his prices, but you can't grade that. You can't grade it. It's ungradable because it's no longer original. So I, I guess that's where maybe some people might have got confused when we were coming at. Um, we're we're looking at it as untouched axes. What's the grading on an untouched axe? Not restored. Um, and then you, you get, you start to get into some shady stuff because, you know, somebody's restoring it to the point where it looks new old stock and then they're advertising it as new old stock. Well, that's being dishonest. It's not new old stock. It's been restored. There's pretty much a, uh, a counterfeit market for everything. Even right. in, even in axes, we have one, which yeah. I, I'm not saying is blatant, but like if somebody's making etches or something that's not clearly defined as a, that could be, that could be, that's, that's certainly something that should come up in the, come up in the, in the equation. But it, that is a reality too. And you know, oh, you know what? There's a case in point with that. Keen cutter. We've seen how many keen cutter copiers have we had in the last, let's say 15 years, probably like that was a big thing. Wasn't it Miller? Like a, like a, I don't know, a couple decades ago, maybe. Yeah. They had the, yeah. they had the run on the broad axis where they actually had the keen cutter, which was, a, uh, the print was actually, uh, what I want to say, it was, um, it was, it was up, right? It wasn't like an actual imprint, no. but it was actually emboldened on the broad axis. And you saw, and there, you, you will see those. They're on eBay right now, and you'll mm-hmm. see guys on the various, uh, groups and stuff like that. They're like, hey, I just bought this king cutter. Look at it. And then some guys got to break the truth and be like, sorry. You know, so you will see that and you've seen it with a couple of the other 
um, logos and imprints and stuff like that. So those things are out there. I think really what, what we got to sort of dive into now with it is the, the restoration game seems to be the big like question mark. Like what does that mean? Because a lot of guys want to know what, like what am I paying for? I guess. And you'll have guys that are obviously doing the restorations. They're cleaning up axes and then they're turning around and they're selling them. Hey, God bless you. I've done it myself. I'm not here to say that I haven't done it, but what are those axes <laughs> then worth compared to other quote unquote vintage or antique axes? That's where things start to get a little bit murky and that's where it really becomes subjective. And what does somebody think about that? And that's where I got a lot of the questions from is, so, you know, I got a Flint Edge, Michigan that I've had for however long. What is that worth? I don't know. What, what do you want it to be worth? You can make it worth whatever you want. I mean, if I clean it up or if Joe down the street cleans it up or whatever, it's really worth whatever you want to pay for it, which is an absolute terrible answer. But, I think the the thing that we sort of need to look out for now that we go is there's a lot of people that have the technology to be able to do things in the axe world to some axes that maybe weren't there 10 years ago, five years ago. And that's sort of what you got to look out for. So what that all means, what that all entails, what we need to look out for, things like that. It's definite brand new game than what it was 15 years ago versus 10 years ago versus five years ago versus now. And I think it's something that definitely needs to be talked about because of the groups, the popularity, the guys that are out there and what we're trying to do. I think it was the wild west 12 years ago as far as axes go. Cause, you know, like, I mean, you were, you were doing it at that time. We were talking about it on Bushcraft USA. We could, you could get great stuff for bottom dollar. <laughs> you know, Chris remembers yep. all the great, you could buy five, ten bucks, get you a nice head off of eBay, you know, and, but, uh, but now, you know, obviously it's, it's quite a bit different, but it is. I mean, wood slasher now on eBay, you're probably looking at a minimum of 35 bucks. And, you know, the wood slasher, I love to talk about the wood slasher because it gets bad rap. It's an awesome axe if you're going to use it, but. It sort of gets a bad rap, but, um, the big thing now with like trying to figure out what is it worth? There's a lot of different, um, aspects that I think that goes into that. And it's not always about does it have color? Does it have the imprint? Stuff like that. Like Leaf, like what's your take on like to me? Like I think a little bit more about rarity. So like I think about like Red Warrior. Uh, I think about Lippincott. I think about stuff like that. So, like, what's your take on that? Are you asking what what drives me more? Well, like, if you just sense? if you just saw those axes and like if you were to be like, oh, well, I'm gonna get this one versus this one. Like, obviously, it's open, it's subjective. So, you know, it's it's all. Um it's all personal preference, right? I, I usually, it depends. I'm not a big, um, 
I'm not an embossment hound, so that's not an interest for me. Uh, it's not like I wouldn't take advantage of a sale if I came up to it in a flea market or a junk sale, a garage sale. But I look at BitLife. Um, if I'm going to take the, this is my, this is just me. If I take the time to do a restore on it, I want its life still in it. Or else I just don't really think it's worth the time for me personally. And I've moved on. I've moved on more axes, um, than I've, than I've held in my collection, which I've narrowed down drastically in, in the last 12 years. But that's just me. Um, it's not just about rarity for me or value. It's, it's about how much life it has left into it. And that's the, that's the avenue I take to it. I'm not an axe reseller, uh, per se. So I have a different opinion on it. Yeah, maybe. Which I think is something that is really good to bring up. So you bring up a different aspect from what we normally see, especially out on the differing media platforms. And so you're not about, hey, listen, it has a, let's just say a Red Warrior stamp on it, and the bit is two inches versus if it has a Red Warrior and it is a full you know, as far as we can get a full old stock, things like that. So that's very interesting to me because you don't see too many guys like that where they're like, hey, listen, I'm into what it was when it was. You don't you don't get a lot of that. So I think that that's very cool and uh, trying to figure out that whole piece, because obviously that can be very subjective as well. Mm-hmm. Then, right. Yeah, I agree. Killer, are you still on, or did we lose you? Did, did the tornado tornado hit in Ohio? No, I had to, I had to mute. I had, well, I had a miniature tornado. <laughs> okay, she's she's full of uh, energy. She come running out of nowhere, just <laughs> yelling and screaming. Hey, that happens. It, it happens. So we're talking a little bit about uh, obviously uh, the grading, new old stock, mints, stuff like that. Uh, if there will ever be a actual system, I don't know. Uh, what do, what do you think about that? Like, what's your two cents on the grading system? Yeah, like, can it ever actually be? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, who 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 decides? You know. Maybe. Yeah, well, let's say you decide, <laughs> and and that's fine. I I have no problem with it. You're the you're the foremost ex, ex expert I know, but it seems like in the axe world, you know, and I said this last week, is we get away with with way more than you would in any other collection. You know, antique cars. I mean, you you couldn't. You're not going to say this 1969. Whatever Camaro is, uh, is full original mint condition, blah, 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 without consulting, um, you know, some sort of guidelines or expert, you know, who's to say? And there are people out there that can tell you, no, this car's been painted. Uh, no, these numbers don't match. This stuff, to, you know, this doesn't add up. And, you know, that drastically decreases the value of that car. Now it's still going to be, you know, expensive but it's not going to be astronomical um i don't know in the axe world if it matters 
it seems like people just pay. They will pay what they want to pay um, to own that piece. Uh, you see, we were talking about this offline, but, you know, the whole eBay thing really does dictate what the value is of something. Yep. So let me ask you this question. And so what I've seen from a collector standpoint, sort of like a price setting standpoint, a gauge standpoint. And again, I don't know if this is hundred percent true, but what I've seen in some of the other tools. So like leaf brought up planes earlier and there's a bunch of different, you know, of those like older school tools. Like there's a group out there for all of them, right? And then you will have then like the bigger like, subgroups, like the Midwestern Tool Collectors Association, MWTCA. Yeah. There is no like axe group within those guys to be able to represent themselves. No. Do you think that that is like a piece of something that could either help, maybe hinder axe prices, maybe drive them, maybe not drive them? Like it seems like axes, like we we sort of think as like an axe community, like we have a big following, but we really don't. Like when you look at the total numbers, like we don't compared to planes and compared to augers and played stanley and stuff like that like we don't like we're very very small yeah. so like if if we had an actual group to be able to go to one of those collectors associating meetings in like atlanta would that give us a little bit more weight and would that help our cause or like am i just thinking outside the box i think you're thinking on the ground floor of the miller axe collection collecting associations there isn't one out there so what's to stop you from making so i i think basically the first person who who uh plants the uh the national axe museum is going to be the one to yeah you know there's the you know there's the stamp museum the bottle museum which is actually right down here in town and uh there's the boxing museum the tool associations the tool i mean i guess um Somebody's going to have to, if, 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 if that's what's going to happen, that's, you know, I don't know. Well, I think the Leafs point, though, you got to have something like that if you're ever going to create a standard on this axe is graded A, this axe is graded B, this axe is graded C. Yeah. And, like, I don't, I mean, just obviously communicating with a lot of guys and the different, Social media groups, that's going to be a mess. Well, here's, here's my take on it too, you know, cause I, I dabble in the other tool collecting as well. That's how I got started in Axis is I had, uh, a fascination with hand planes. Um, actually it was just the whole thought that you could take a piece of wood, you know, f- from a tree and turn into a piece of furniture all with hand tools. And that's what got me into axes in the first place is, you know, you can't, you can't ignore axes if you're going to make a box out of a log. You know, you have to, you have to process that log, you know, and the quickest way is with an axe. Excuse me. So being that I'm in that world, um, 
yes, there's a grading system when it comes to the hand planes, but it's still not the end all be all. <clears throat> People still pay what they pay. It's I look at the grading as a grading is a is a reference point, <clears throat> you know, a guidance for someone that's on the fence about something. <clears throat> What's you know, let's say they're looking at this axe on eBay and let's say it's a black raven. That's the most popular. Everybody wants a black raven. And they sell for stupid money no matter what condition they're in. But <clears throat> let's say it's it's um, very crisp, lots of paint on it, uh stickers, whatever. Is that is that a new old stock black raven? Or is that a mint black raven? Or is that a user grade black raven? I, you know, there is no standard, so you don't know. So you can't really make an educated decision on what you're willing to spend, other than how deep are your pockets, you know? Yeah, because the auction's setting the price. Right. So yeah. I would look at the grading system as a, I don't know, a peace of mind, really. Okay, I paid twelve hundred dollars for this black raven, but it is mint condition, so may, you know maybe I'll get my twelve hundred bucks out in the future when I if I decide to sell it, you know, because ultimately you want to feel good about your purchase. That's what it comes down to. You don't, you don't want to feel like you you lost money or you paid too much for something. I don't know. <clears throat> but at the end of the day. It really is it comes down to whatever whatever someone's willing to pay for it. Yeah, and uh, that's usually eBay <laughs> setting, setting that price. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's consistently gotten it consistently gets the higher price for anything. And Miller's back. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, we were just discussing how eBay pretty much sets the price. I think that uh, I think that eBay does set the price, but one of the uh, one of the evils about eBay is that everybody knows that eBay sets the price. So you obviously will get some items out there that are for buy it now, and you're like, "There's no way that I'm going to buy that now," right? Well, that's where the education comes in. You know, you need to be vigilant on your edu- on, on your price. You need to know what that stuff's selling for. You know, you know, just hop on eBay, see a buy it now Black Raven for a thousand bucks, and then say, "Oh, I'm going to own this Black Raven because it's buy it now for a thousand bucks." No, you need to know what what similar condition Black Ravens are selling for, and that's where a grading system might come in handy. Um, but then it's up to it's up to the person selling it to be honest and, and, and grade it, you know? So yeah. I don't know that it's ever going to be an, um, an answer. I don't know that it would ever work because, you know, people could grade it whatever they want unless they're taking it to someone in, in that, like if we designated Mike Miller as the grader of all axes, Okay. Dun, 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 dun. And everybody agrees on, okay, Mike Miller is the greater of all axes. He, he sets the standards, okay? Now, you, sh- you should probably do the dun, 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 dun whenever you say that. 
<laughs> so now Miller charges for his services because that's the only way anybody's going to take it legitimately. So guy, guy, guy goes to sell something on eBay. He pays Miller his dollar ninety nine fee for grading an axe. Miller grades it real quick and puts it on eBay, and that's law. I mean, that's. Well, let me ask you this question, and this question actually came from Shannon, my fiance, and she, and because I asked her the same thing, I said, "So, what is going to make me the law of the West?" Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> exactly, right? What, what's going to make Leaf the law whenever he says, "Well, this is worth seven dollars or whatever?" And she actually asked me a question, and she said. So what makes the guys out there setting the values on the pennies? There's a lot more pennies out there than there is axes, right? And I was like, yeah, you're right. So why is there a system on pennies and we can't have it on axes? Nobody's saying there can't be. That's right. But I Who came up with this system, though? <laughs> yeah, the the National uh, Coin Museum. There, <laughs> whoever whoever struck it first, right? I mean, right. So Leaf actually brings up a, a really good process. So like, do we need to start from the top and then come down? Well, somewhere along the line, there was the um, you know, hypothetically, there was probably the uh, Association of Coin Collectors or Historical Coin Collectors, and then it turned into now we have a museum, and then pairing with the mint, which we don't have anymore because the axe collectors and makers are gone. So that then it really becomes a problem. But, um, yeah, we're kind of on our own on that one. But eventually it all started like – I imagine some of it started like that. Same with the stamps, you know. They had to pair with the, the source of them, still have. Uh, but, you know, we don't have that. So I don't know. Like anything, it becomes subjective. Stanley still makes planes. You know, they still, you can still go to them for information. Just like, you know what I mean? We can't go to, we can't go to Kelly. We can't go to Mantool. Bluegrass, you know, we can't do any of that. So where do we go from there? That, that is the great question because then what do we do with Australian axes? Yeah. Right? Like, the whole thing is just an absolute mess, and I don't know if there is an actual answer for it. Uh, to get it somewhere where it's not 100% subjective. So, you know, you, you, you can get the, the same two Connecticut patterns made by Collins. Let's say that they're legitimous. They both have the crown, the arm, the hammer. What's going to differentiate those? I mean, maybe, I know the first thing that I always look at in any axe, whenever I'm looking at it, very first thing, I look at the pole. If that pole has not been beat, if it hasn't been slammed, if it hasn't been used as a sledgehammer, that's the first thing I look at. Second thing I look at is the bit, toe to heel. What does it look like? Does it look like it was originally shaped? Has it been sharpened? If it has, has it been sharpened properly? Um, the vast majority of the ones that you see, especially later 
And whenever, whenever I say later, is 55 in post, which we will talk about this on the next podcast. You normally see those, and they're not shaped correctly. And that's because guys didn't know how to sharpen an axe. And it was just more for ground and pound. So how do you grade that? I don't know. Like, you're in a mess. You were literally in a mess trying to be like, well, this axe is worth this. This axe is worth that. But I think that what we were really trying to get to is, you know, some of the axes with the paper labels, some of the original stamps. And I don't know. I don't know if there's really a good answer for it whenever it's all said and done. I think the only logical thing to do is we're going to have to start the North American Axe Collectors Association. And this is going to have to be a member-based group. I don't know what the acronym is for that. I just pulled that off the top of my head. I was trying to figure it out. North American Axe Collectors Association. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's pretty cool. Yeah. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to start that. And then we'll put a grading system in there. Yeah. We'll put a grading system in there. And then people can use that that information how they wish it's not like it's the land of the law it's just a uh a um, reference point right and you can't you can't include restored axes like i said because it's no longer in its original condition it's that's a whole other ball game and that's based off of artist and um craftsman really so let's talk about that for a second because that was something that obviously came up. So if we're talking about a restored axe. And let's just say for the sake of simplicity, flint edge, Michigan pattern. Uh, let's say that the pole on it is in good shape, not a lot of battering. Uh, the bit, toe to heel, looks good. Now, if you take that and you... Whatever your process is, you wire wheel it, you sand it down, blah, blah, blah. You put a black finish, a gray finish. Like, where does that all sort of end up in the value situation? Because I think that is where you see a lot of these axes. That's where you see a lot of the axes in junkies and axe addicts and legacy woodcutters and this, that, and the other. Those are the majority of the axes that you see because a lot of those guys are trying to sell that. It's like, where does that fall, like, from point A to point B in a value standpoint? I mean, it, like I said, it falls back onto the, the, the artist, the craftsman, the maker. Um, in the, I guess the intended use, really, on the, on the customer's end, you know, who's buying that axe? Um, I know <clears throat> for me, I'm not going to buy a restored axe um, unless it's like something I want and it's, you know, priced cheap enough that I'll buy it. But, you know, typically I, I see other people restoring axes and I see their work and, and I enjoy it and all that. But I'm not a customer because I'm not going to pay for something that I could do myself, you know, and I'm not discrediting anybody's work. I'm just saying if I, if I'm, if I want to restore an ax, then I'll restore one of mine. 
I, it's not. I'm not in the market for it. So I don't know. All right. So 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 let's flip that. Though. So obviously you have a different point of view. Leaf has a different point of view with that too. So like, where does that? I think that's where that million dollar question is. So like, where does the value on that lie? Like, Leaf, what, what's your two cents on that? Uh, it's, I approach it a lot similar to Chris. I don't, um, I do full restoration work, uh, say restoration. See, we're getting into terms now. I tailor axes that I get a hold of to the way I want them to look for my personal gratification. Um, and I'm not looking at it from a resale standpoint. I, my, my axe collecting now is finally tuned down to exactly what I want them to look like as they sit in my boxes or the, or the, the handful that I take out and chop wood with or split with or something like that. And I don't, I don't have a drive to, um, I don't approach the market looking at this person over here who sells restored axes or this person over here. I'm not shopping that way. Um, there are a few guys out there that, you know, you'll, you know, like you, you buy, you buy what you can get your hands on. You're a full on collector. I have a different approach to it. Chris has a different approach to it. Um, we certainly have in this community, uh, a, um, a varied selection of people on how we approach, how we approach axes. Um, we've certainly seen quite a few guys that are just in it to win it just to have the biggest collection and that doesn't, and once they have them, they just go into it. There's no further work done on them. A lot of times they just sit in a garage and then you got people like Chris and or I that I want, I want what makes me feel happy to look at and I want to finish it the way that it makes me feel good. And that's how I approach X axes now. Um, but you know, I'm not, a am not, you know, I love Collins. Miller knows that that's, I mean, I'm, pretty average at that. It's, one, it's my favorite axe company. I'm not going to turn away uh, things related to Collins or a good a good grab here or there. I'm not going to put my nose up at it. I'll take advantage of a deal if I come across it. But for the most part, I approach the axe, the axe world from a, a unique perspective. Let me... Let me approach this as, as a maker slash artist slash craftsman, whatever you want to call me. If I make something I don't care what you think it's worth. Ooh. It's it is worth what I feel my time is worth. So it's not my place to tell somebody else what their work is worth. Does that make sense? No. It's like it's like let's bring up the axe axe tool roll. Okay. I I didn't sell any of those, right? What what I have they're over a thousand dollars. Okay. I didn't just pull that number out of the air either. I took the amount of material it took to make those, the time it took to make those, and what I could have made instead in the same amount of time and material. And I came up with whatever the number was, like $1,187 or something. That's what it's worth because it's a lot easier to sell a $250 tote bag than it is to sell an $1,100 tool roll. And I can make a lot more tool, tote bags than I can make tool rolls. So that set the price on that thing. So same thing with the axes. If an artist 
does all this work to this axe and they 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 want five hundred dollars for it well that's what they want for it it's up to you as the end purchaser to decide is it worth five hundred dollars to you it's not for somebody to say that's not worth five hundred dollars i don't think anybody has that place you know i'll tell you one thing well i think where you're heading with it is um there is a wild market when it comes to axe restorers as well. Yeah. And I, I don't, we're not going to name drop anybody, but a lot of people are buying personality too. Yeah. And they're, they, and it's Chris and I have had this discussion and they're willing to pay good money for it too. Um, big, big money, big money. <laughs> they're, they're buying the maker. They're, yeah. There's yeah. yeah. almost like the axe is the afterthought almost. Yeah. It, yeah. it doesn't, in, in a lot of cases, it doesn't matter what the end product is. It just matters that that man or woman made it. So, and that's, that's across the board in anything. You know, you see that in knives. Um, you see it in leather work, all that stuff. So that's why I say there's really two categories when it comes to axes. There's restored and there's untouched. And the untouched is where the grading comes in. I don't really think in the restored land that you can do a grading system because it's just too variable. You know, what if they altered the axe? What if, you know, what you got, I don't want to name drop, but you got guys that change the actual geometry of the axes and make them their vision, their art, and they sell them as that, and they do good with it. I can think of two guys right off the bat that do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I think that you both bring up some really good points because you can take a Michigan Flint Edge and three guys, Chris, Leaf, and Mike, all buy them at different flea markets. We all get them back home, and we all do different things to them as far as quote-unquote restore, and now we got three different values depending on what Chris, Leaf, and Mike all think are the value of it. And maybe depending on then the following or whatever that market looks like, now we got three different values on that. So it really is, um, I don't want to say crazy. I don't think crazy is a word. It's interesting, I guess. But I think that's one of the challenges whenever we say, all right, so we're going to put in the axe rating system. I don't know. Like, can we do it? Like, could think, it be done? I think it can be done as long as it's it's done solely as for untouched axes. That's the only that's the only way it can be fair and work. Um, once you alter the axe in any way, it is no longer within the grading guidelines. It has to be at that point. It's restored. So Whether how many is, how many untouched axes are out there? Well, there's not a lot, but you know that's why they go. That's why they're so worth so much. Um, what is the one that you just bought? The American Axe and Tool. The hatchet is that a, yeah. what it is? American Axe and like, which is gorgeous. It's absolutely amazing. So first off, it's amazing the thing exists. Second off, it's amazing that the company even made something like that. Yeah. You know, it's just mind blowing. Um, but that's what makes that thing valuable and 
um, sought after because it's rare. Nobody has it. Well, except mm-hmm. for you. there's one one in existence that we know of. You know, so as far as I know, there I've seen two other ones on eBay, and I'm pretty sure that they weren't the same because sometimes you got to watch whenever you were like, well, I saw one of those or I saw two of those on eBay. Then you got to watch because sometimes it's a it's the same one being resold. Right. So as far as I know, there's been three total. This is the newest one. And it's not 100%. Like when you look at it, again, if we're talking about these categories, you know, a little bit of patina, this, that, or that, it has a little bit of patina to it. Yeah. There's no rust. There's no scratches. There's no, I mean, it is an absolute beautiful shape. But so in that situation, it would it would benefit or um, help if there was a grading system. It would, depending on I guess who's going to buy it. So now th- this is where we get into. Like so, if you're going to do that, like there has to be an authoritative body that's going to do that. Not just one guy. So, like, I can't come and be like, all right, here comes the Miller rating system, and you're all going to have to bow down to that. That's why the North That's why the North American Axe Collector Association, I'll get it right one of these times, has a committee that votes on the grading system. You could do that. See? You, could do, yeah, you, we, you might as well have it because Axe, nobody's Axe community's behind on this, aren't they? They are. Really, they, we are Leaf, very behind Leaf, on this. Leaf brings up a really good point. You you go. There's a playing society. There's a, I don't know. There's you know whatever else, whatever other tool that you're looking for. There is a committee or a group, and then they all have their own groups that all go into that like Midwestern Tool Collectors Association group. Right. I mean, it, it's nuts. I mean, those guys are hardcore. In case, in case you guys haven't picked up on this, you guys are on the groundbreaking level of history being made right now. But so who's <laughs> who, who's going to make that group? Axe Junkies going to make that group? No, Axe no, Addicts? No, it was our. It's recorded. That is our idea. So it, it's uh, it's our idea right now. We're we're looking. You know, for, you know, at least members. At least ten dudes. After they hear this, their heads are going to explode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, though, I think that you guys bring up a good point because how many actual Axe history guys are there? Really, when you boil it down. And I've said this to a couple different guys. I've said this to Killer. So let, let's just say for the sake of example, you have Axe Junkies, 34,000 people, right? You have Axe Addicts, 3,500 people. Legacy, Woodcutters, 3,500 people. You keep boiling it down, boiling it down. How many hardcore true axe guys you got? Actually, I think it's only a few hundred who are common posters. Let's let's be honest. There isn't thirty something thousand uh, axe junkies. Um, there are people who are just passed through, joined the group, probably aren't even active profiles anymore. It's the same with it's the same with Chris and I's group. Um, you know, we've got I'd say there's probably just a few hundred people that routinely move through and little post in a year, but that's that's the I don't know is that the hardcore people I don't know yeah that probably is but that that's just Facebook you know what I mean it's and I made this point before we started the podcast like I I know I've got several other collectors in this area I've never met 
and I'm always competing against when, when heads pop up or the garage sale season starts. I mean, there's some out there who just, who aren't in the, I, well, there's a point too. I met one who I invited to the group, what, two years ago, who, who sold, he just sold on eBay and through private hands. And that guy's, he's, he's approaching a thousand dollars a head in his, in his personal market. And he doesn't, he's not in it for anything less than that. And everything he collects is, we don't have a grading system, but let's call it mint. You know what I mean? They're all, they're all on what you would more or less call perfect shape. But he's somebody who's in, who's in it like that. Yeah, there's, that's a good point. There's, look at eBay. I mean, there's, there's literally hundreds of buyers and sellers on eBay that aren't in any of the groups. Yep. Yep. And to another point, if you've ever, if you've ever sold axes, you'll know if you go on Facebook and price, put an axe for sale, you'll get no takers and you put it on eBay and it sells instantly. So it's, it's, there's obviously people out there that aren't on these groups that are into collecting axes. Yeah. Chris and I proved that over what about two years worth of running, running sales specifically for the ax community on yeah. a regular schedule. People, people um, constantly hit us up. What happened to yeah. sales Saturday? Well, what happened was, is it was nope. a big waste of time. Yep. We, we monitored it. We watched how many people are interacting on the sales, how many were being listed as sold and yeah. people just weren't, they weren't really biting. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the same people listing for sale. But you look on, yeah, look on eBay, look up acts, look up on sold sales and watch the kind of market that runs on there. And eBay is, good. yeah, go there ahead. Was, there was good prices too. Uh, yeah. That's what kills me the most. Uh, what, you know, Let's be, I mean, I can say it. The, on those, especially at the, at the peak of those, when we were running those weekend sales, there was a lot of listings yeah. in those and the prices, what I would call more than fair for most of it. And certainly beating most, a lot of the eBay prices, but dudes weren't, weren't slopping it up. Nope. So do you think that that was because of just the sheer fact that it was an axe group versus eBay? Or I, just the sheer fact of an axe group with guys that knew, quote unquote, knew about axes and the lines and some of the prices versus eBay and many of those people that weren't quite as educated. I, I, think, I don't know. Yeah, I think ahead. the difference is most of your folks in the axe groups are trying to be resellers. And I, I don't... I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but that's you can't say that. You can't say that because you're going to hurt somebody. <laughs> but that's the reality. Look yeah. at all these pop-up overnight axe companies. I, if I had a dollar for every time I saw so and so axe co, I would be rich. I mean, and I hey, do you? I don't care. Don't get mad at me. Don't send me a hate mail because I said that. I'm, do what you want to do. But I think the majority of the guys in the groups are trying to resell. What, hey, uh, what, what's your email just so I can send you some hate, hate mail? Don't send me email <laughs> at yahoo.com. <laughs> but it, I, I honestly, that's how I feel about it. Now, the people on shopping on eBay, they're collectors. They're users. They're 
Joe Blow from, hey, I think I need an axe. I'm going to, oh, this looks like a good one. I'm going to buy it. I, I think that's the difference. You know, you, you have, I mean, I could, I could go through our group right now and probably just pick out a hundred axe companies. Oh, it's, it's very easy. And listen, yeah. I'm not going to be that guy to, to, to deny it. I put it out there and I said, listen, the vast majority of you guys, 80% of you guys are flippers that are quote unquote axe guys. Right. And that, that is, that's, that is the reality of the situation. Yeah. And, and so, you're going to have that in anything. I mean, there's always, and you be, are, you well, are, here's a chance to make some money. I'm going to get on it and make some money. And that's fine. I'm all about everybody doing what they can to, to make an extra, extra side income. I think that's cool. But for the hardcore collectors, the, the, Average users or whatever, I think they're, they're not in the axe groups. They're on the, how many times do you see somebody pop in a group? First post. Hey, I just found this at the, at the flea market. What's it worth? What's it worth? Oh, don't start. <laughs> Get out of here. It's, you know, like, it's funny. That's, that's cross platform too. Like Chris and I are in uh, cast iron groups too. Yep. Dude, it's like that every day, every day with these people. They're looking for that lottery ticket. They yeah. they well, want to feel like they want they want that lottery ticket. That's what well, it is. Yeah, and you guys would know that obviously from Legacy. So like, what do you think that you have to sort through with the new members? Like, is there any way of being able to do that? Like, obviously well, you can't feel them out until they post, right? What we do, this is all we do. We we don't. You're going to always get those guys that just pop in to get the value on something. There's just nothing you can do about it. They have to answer three questions to get in. If they answer the three questions, they're in. All right? After that, if we see that person constantly posting for sale, they don't, they don't ever post what they do. They don't ever post about their collection. They don't ever post about, you know, uh, I don't know, anything. All they do is post for sales. We might give them a little warning, and if they don't take heed, we kick them out. Well, I think we're – are we down to where we don't even get a warning now? Yeah, we see – usually the repeat offender at this point is just flushed out of the system, and nobody even know, is the wiser. Yeah. I think – so we. I don't know when our – we've definitely slowed down with those people, I've noticed. But yeah. I, was it last year we dealt with a lot? Yeah, I think last yeah, we, year and the year before. We just, yeah, showed a lot not, of them the door. Like somebody would just post up, this is for sale, this is available, this is for sale, this is available. And it was never anything about any skills, any um, any history, any of that stuff. It was just constant sales. And we're not a sales group. You know, we allow sales, we encourage sales, but we're not a sales group. Yeah. There's plenty of other places to go sell your goods. And that turned into one of the reasons we started the, the timely weekend sales. Yeah. I think it cleaned up after we did that. That, I, I, I agree with you, as you were saying. I was thinking the same thing. Kind of solved our problem, didn't it? And now we stopped <laughs> it, though. You know, yeah. but. And then I turned it to once a month. I did it for a couple months. It was, it petered right off. Yeah, it was dead. So we just, yeah, we just let it go. Yeah. Well, I think that, well, I'm not going to say any names or anything like that, but you sort of had the same, same collection of people that were trying to sell the same axes. Yes. Over and over, which. Yep. And I think that one of the things with the online groups, the the gang or 
you know, the group sort of gets used to it, right? They yeah, know, sure. they know what the prices should be. They know who's selling what. And it's different than if you're selling on eBay and you have a worldwide audience that has never heard of your particular group and they're out there and they're going to try and buy it. So it, it's definitely a beast and it sort of is what it is as, as bad as that is. I hate using that term, but it's, it's definitely interesting and I really love, love to see the, how it evolves like over time and what's going on where and who's selling what and what's going on and what is it selling for? Cause it's been, it's been very interesting to see over the past 15 years yeah. stuff that is sold and yes. what it, what it sold for back in 2005 versus what it sells for now is nuts. I mean, yep. it, it's crazy. And the market's so good that we even got new axe makers popping in because it's a worthwhile investment now for a company to, to start up and, and produce this product. So stop and think about that. Leaf brings up a really awesome point. You got companies starting and making axes and selling axes and doing very well at it. It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't make any sense. No. No, but it's awesome. <clears throat> Hopefully it helps keep the, keep it alive. You know, cause you know, the big question in the room is, you know, how long is this going to go and what's going to happen? And you know, if it, if the bottom falls out, think of what's going to be available for nothing in the future. A whole new, uh, era of collection possibly. Yeah. I think it's a very interesting topic because you can go with that about seven different ways, but sure can. Yeah. Whenever let, let's say twenty years from now, twenty five years from now, what's that? What's that Kelly nineteen oh ten or nineteen ten nineteen twenty going to be worth versus a Hoffman that was made in you know twenty fifteen? Because I, I think in a whole other category though. You're buying a Hoffman. You're not buying an axe. You're buying a Hoffman. Mm-hmm. You are. And that, that's what the, the mystery is there is like what, you know, or you're buying a Lamica now, right? Yeah. What's that worth in 15 years? Like, I don't know how that's all going to play out. Like what I do know is that whenever they sold Kelly's back in 1915, there was no like price gap between what you could buy in 1930. For 15 years, but again, it was a totally different time in history and acts usage and stuff like that. But you know, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just really something that's interesting to think about. What's more interesting to think about is obviously me being the history guy. And is is Hoffman or Lamica? Are they keeping any kind of paperwork? I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> They're well, not. Look, Lama could put serial numbers on. Lama could put serial numbers on. Great, so do Warren. Just one of those things. I hope, I hope Lane and his wisdom prints everything that instead of just doing it all digitally. Yeah. You know, like, oh, here's my first invoice. As you, you know, maybe it's not as, um, it's not as, uh, as romantic as uh, a lithograph. What is it, a lithograph or whatever type of 
stationary, sure. stationary sure. with, you know, ornate work on it and stuff like that with official letterhead and stuff. But yeah. it's something, you know. So, so Lane and, and Hoffman, if you guys are listening, <laughs> you guys better be keeping records. Yeah. Since 40, 50, 60 years from now, there's going to be three jokers talking about your stuff, wondering what happened. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I think if you really want to have a – what is something worth, right? That's the, that's the thing that we talk about all the time. You see it repeatedly on all the groups. Hey, I was just at my mother's, you know, dad's favorite flea market, and I bought this flint edge for $5. What is it worth? It's the question. I know I get inundated with it all the time. Oh, yeah. And – Bring it. I don't care. Bring it. But what's going to be 50 years from now? Hey, I just bought this Lamaca at a flea market for, I don't know, who knows what the price will be then, 50 bucks. And, yeah, it's marked. Is there any paperwork with it? Stuff like that. That's really what sets the price tone now is that do you have a little bit of history to go with it to be able to set it and be able to make it special than all the other ones that were ever produced. So hopefully those guys are doing it. I don't know. I haven't reached out. Hoffman seems to be his own special beast. Um, cool guy. And yep. go from there. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Killer, where can we find you online? Uh, find me on Instagram and YouTube at Killinger and Killinger Official, Facebook as well, and then uh, obviously in uh, Legacy Woodcutters. Hit me up on Facebook, whatever. Cool, leave. Where can we find you? Find me in Legacy Woodcutters as well and Adirondack Wilderness Co. Mainly Instagram and then YouTube. And, uh, yeah, I put stuff on my Facebook page once in a while, too. But mostly you'll find me in the group, Legacy Woodcutters. All right, guys. This is going to wrap this episode for May 17th, right in the middle of May. Keep safe with the corona. And we will see everybody next week. Thank you. Later. <laughs>